0: CHAPTER EIGHT OF ANNA KARININA, BOOK SEVEN, BY Leo Tolstoy, TRANSLATED BY CONSTANCE GARNETT. THE box RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. RECORDING BY MARIANNE. Getting up from the table, Levin walked with Gagin through the lofty room to the billiard-room, feeling his arms swing as he walked, with a peculiar lightness and ease. As he crossed the big room, he came upon his father-in-law. "'Well, how do you like our temple of indolence?' said the prince, taking his arm." Come along, come along. Yes, I wanted to walk about and look at everything. It's interesting. Yes, it's interesting for you, but its interest for me is quite different. You look at those little old men now, he said, pointing to a club member with bent back and projecting lip, shuffling towards them in his soft boots, and imagine they were shlupeks like that from their birth up. How shlupeks? I see you don't know the name. "'That's our club designation. "'You know the game of rolling eggs. "'When one's rolled a long while, it becomes a schlopek. "'So it is with us. "'One goes on coming and coming to the club, "'and ends up by becoming a schlopek. "'Ah, you laugh. "'But we look out, for fear of dropping into it ourselves. "'You know Prince Chetensky?' inquired the prince, "'and Levin saw by his face "'that he was just going to relate something funny. "'No, I don't know him.' "'You don't say so. "'Well, Prince tchetchensky is a well-known figure. "'No matter, though. "'He's always playing billiards here. "'Only three years ago he was not a Shlupik, "'and kept up his spirits "'and even used to call other people Shlupiks. "'But one day he turns up, "'and our porter—you know Vasily? "'Why, that fat one. "'He's famous for his bon mots. "'And so Prince tchetchensky asks him, "'Come, Vasily, who's here? "'Any Shlupiks here yet?' and he says, you're the third. Yes, my dear boy, that he did. Talking and greeting the friends they met, Levin and the prince walked through all the rooms the great room where the tables had already been set and the usual partners were playing for small stakes the divan room where they were playing chess and Sergey Ivanovitch was sitting talking to somebody the billiard room where, about a sofa in a recess, there was a lively party drinking champagne. Gagin was one of them. They peered into the infernal regions, where a good many men were crowding round one table, at which Yashvin was sitting. Trying not to make a noise, they walked into the dark reading-room, where, under the shaded lamps, they saw a young man with a wrathful countenance, turning over one journal after another, and a bald general buried in a book. They went, too, into what the prince called the intellectual room, where three gentlemen were engaged in a heated discussion of the latest political news. "'Prince, please come. We're ready,' said one of his card-party, who had come to look for him, and the prince went off. Levin sat down and listened, but recalling all the conversation of the morning he felt all of a sudden fearfully bored. He got up hurriedly, and went to look for Oblonsky, and Turovston, with whom it had been so pleasant." Turofstan was one of the circle drinking in the billiard-room, and Stefan Arkadyevitch was talking with Vronsky, near the door, at the farther corner of the room. It's not that she's dull, but this undefined, this unsettled position, Levin caught, as he was hurrying away, but Stefan Arkadyevitch called to him. Levin, said Stefan Arkadyevitch, and Levin noticed that his eyes were not full of tears exactly, but moist, which always happened when he had been drinking or when he was touched. Just now it was due to both causes. Levin, don't go, he said, and he warmly squeezed his arm above the elbow, obviously not at all wishing to let him go. This is a true friend of mine, almost my greatest friend, he said to Vronsky. You have become even closer and dearer to me, and I want you, and I know you ought, to be friends, and great friends, because you're both splendid fellows. Well, There's nothing for us now but to kiss and be friends, Vronsky said, with good-natured playfulness, holding out his hand. Levin quickly took the offered hand and pressed it warmly. I'm very, very glad, said Levin. Waiter, a bottle of champagne, said Stefan Arkadyevitch. And I'm very glad, said Vronsky. But in spite of Stefan Arkadyevitch's desire, and their own desire, they had nothing to talk about, and both felt it. Do you know, he has never met Anna, Stepan Arkadyevitch said to Vronsky, and I want above everything to take him to see her. Let us go, Levin. Really, said Vronsky, she will be very glad to see you. I should be going home at once, he added, but I am worried about Yashvin, and I want to stay on till he finishes. Why? Is he losing? He keeps losing, and I am the only friend that can restrain him. Well, what do you say to pyramids, "'Levin, will you play?' "'Capital,' said Stepan Arkadyevitch. "'Get the table ready,' he said to the marker. "'It has been ready a long while,' answered the marker, who had already set the balls in a triangle, and was knocking the red one about for his own diversion. "'Well, let us begin.' After the game, Fronsky and Levin sat down at Gagin's table, and at Stepan Arkadyevitch's suggestion, Levin took a hand in the game. Vronsky sat down at the table, surrounded by friends who were incessantly coming up to him. Every now and then he went to the Infernal to keep an eye on Yashbin. Levin was enjoying a delightful sense of repose after the mental fatigue of the morning. He was glad that all hostility was at an end with Vronsky, and the sense of peace, decorum, and comfort never left him. When the game was over, Stefan Arkadyevitch took Levin's arm. Well, let's go to Anna's, then. At once, eh? she is at home. I promised her long ago to bring you. Where were you meaning to spend the evening? Oh, nowhere specially. I promised Svatsky to go to the Society of Agriculture. By all means, let us go,' said Levin. "'Very good. Come along. Find out if my carriage is here,' Stefan Arkadyevitch said to the waiter. Levin went up to the table, paid the forty roubles he had lost, paid his bill, the amount of which was in some mysterious way ascertained by the little old waiter who stood at the counter, and swinging his arms, he walked through all the rooms to the way out. End of chapter 8